0: Hello, cooles. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish Capital. And in today's episode, we're going to do a resumen of last night's tough victory in the Samames, and also answer some questions from our patrons. Before we dive into today's show, a quick word from our sponsor, NordVPN. Are you tired of hackers and cyber criminals snooping around your online activities? Do you want to safely access your favorite shows and content from anywhere in the world? Then you need NordVPN the best VPN on the market. And the good news is that there's an exclusive birthday deal just for you. Buy NordVPN now and win extra subscription time. With NordVPN, you can protect your online activity and keep your private information away from prying eyes. And if you're traveling abroad, don't worry. Connect to a NordVPN server in your home country and safely enjoy content as if you never left. So what are you waiting for? Visit nordvpn.com slash barsa now to get this special birthday deal. Shield your data from snoops and criminals with NordVPN's state-of-the-art encryption. Safely listen to podcasts, stream shows, or simply browse in complete privacy. Again, visit nordvpn.com slash barsa. The link is in the show notes. Get NordVPN now and enjoy a safe and private online experience. So last night, Barca traveled west to Bilbao, to Basque Country, home of the Pinchos. And Barca earned a 1-0 victory, gained those crucial three points. And of course, there was controversy, drama, polemica, everything you want in a football match. And I think the most important thing out of this is that we are nine points ahead of Madrid going into the Clasico, where Barca have a chance to to really put the gauntlet down this weekend. If they get a victory, it's 12 and I I'm pretty confident that Madrid won't come back from that. But I do want to highlight a couple things from last night's match, things that caught in my eye. I mean, everyone is still talking about the style of Barca and Is it watchable and so forth? And yeah, you know, right now in Europe, there aren't any super teams. And I can't remember the last time in my footballing life that there wasn't, which is pretty strange. There's a lot of parody all around Europe. When you look at, for example, Liverpool losing to Bournemouth this weekend after they just beat Manchester United 7-0, and then when you look at the Champions League, you know, for example, when Real Madrid beat Liverpool, right? Like, it—it's nothing's making sense right now, you know? And, you know, I was watching the Europa League last week, and it's the same thing. Like, I don't know who is good, who's not right now. And it's really just all about getting some of that momentum and writing that. And Barcelona have been doing that since the return of the World Cup, and you have to give Xavi credit for all of that. Now, Last night was always going to be a difficult match of the Samms. The SMMS is such a difficult place to play. Not only is it such a crazy home field advantage, I mean, you're talking like 98% supporter in there. I mean, they barely give tickets to any Kool aids that come there. So that's why it's so difficult. But usually, you know, in Bilbao, it's going to be a rainy, tough match. And it was, you know, Bilbao is, is is having a heat wave. So it definitely favored Barcelona in the conditions department. But again, this team is not the prettiest to watch. And that's a fact. Now, Xavi came out with some quotes today that were pretty funny, just saying that we need to score more goals. Well, like, no shit. And what is Chavi going to do to tailor this team for further success? Because basically the formula is we get a goal, we try for some extra goals kind of-ish, and then we defend like crazy for the last 10 minutes, and then we pray for the whistle, and then we get the three points. Done and done. One of my contentions with Chavi is trying to manage this team in a way to make it stylistic, appeasing, as well as getting those points. Now, I still think he has some work to do with the lineup. And especially, you know, obviously we are missing Pedri. And it's crazy to see how much Pedri is the glue to all this attack and midfield and possession. Because ever since he's been gone, the connection between the lines has been awful. It's been very stagnant. We haven't looked as fluid. And so Pedri is such an important player for us at 20 years old which is still crazy now Terstagan was the man of the match yesterday well deserved and again he had a really great night last night having three crucial saves he was under duress for most of the night you know bilbao had 15 shots with five on target so that just kind of tells you the barrage that Terstagan was under and he held his own he had he made those saves when he had to obviously we're going to talk about the disallowed goal from inyaki williams but you know when terstegen and the defense were called upon they were able to come through with solid defending and the match you know felt like a very it felt like a Premier League match, the way they were going up and down. I mean, I looked at the numbers now, and we had 60% possession, but it did not feel that way at all during the match. It felt like we had three passes, and then we would lose it. We get another three passes and lose it. But again, give credit to the defense. It's another shutout. And I don't know how we did it <laughs> because, you know, when Chavi makes the substitution of putting Alonso in the second half as a stopper, you saw them going with the long ball over the top, and obviously they they almost scored with Williams over the top. And, you know, these are the type of little adjustments where I think Xavi can make, especially with Sergio Roberto on the right. We know we don't have speed, so don't play such a high line. Like, the risk and reward of this is so fine. And as I just said, there isn't any super teams, and there is a lot of parity, but that also means that our team, as it stands right now, just, does not have superstars That can plug and play with reserves like we used to. Another topic I wanna talk about is Lewandowski. Lewandowski, at the beginning of the season, was doing great, scoring goals, really being a reference point for our attack. But since he's been back from the World Cup, maybe it's tired legs, the continuous playing. You know, obviously he's coming back from injury in this match, but you know, he still looks rusty. He still doesn't look comfortable on the ball. It always seems he's overthinking. And that's the worst thing you want to be in that zone when you're a striker and you're trying to find your form, you're kind of overthinking. And obviously when you're in form, it just seems like everything falls into place. And last night, you know, one of the things I noticed as well is, I don't know if you've been noticing as well, is that Lewandowski is trying to get involved in the play more often and trying to go back to the midfield to get the ball and lead the attack. And I just don't think he's at that moment of his career where he can do both things both being involved into the attack in the middle and then all of a sudden just sprint out and be a reference point in attack there's a couple times where he goes back to show for ball he holds he passes it off and then he starts running and all of a sudden Rafinha goes down the wing and he has no one in the middle as a reference point I think ultimately Lewandowski just has to push that center back pocket and just continue to be a reference point I mean he is one of the best number nines in the last 15 years right and one of the reasons he was able to do that is because he was such a physical presence in the middle and i think you know sometimes you know when you are all by yourself up there the two center backs can definitely double team you and maybe that is maybe just an adjustment maybe rafini needs to come closer to him or uh, ansu or whoever or ferran torres needs to come closer to him to hopefully give that space because sometimes Having two forwards up there is going to break that center back pocket. Now, I'm just thinking outside the box because we really need Lewandowski to find his form, especially in the Classico and for the upcoming matches. Now, if he finds his form, then all of a sudden we kind of put away this lethargic attack that we're seeing from Barca. Now, he had four shots, seven aerials won, so he was definitely involved. But again, like I said, I really want to see him not... Come all the way to the midfield to show for the ball. I I want him to want to win the ball, get the ball in the middle, and push that pocket. That is, that's his that's his forte, and he is a a poacher as well. So we need to give those opportunities, and he needs to just be ready for those opportunities when they come. The last thing I want to touch up on on this match is the VAR. Now I have been a proponent of VAR. I think VAR is good. I think it is instant replay i want to have the best decisions possible with replay and you know var is not perfect by any means but this idea now that you know the handball you know i was listening to various podcasts radios programs today and listening to describe the inaki goal with the handball was like the handball happened 12 plays before and it definitely did not you know, that play led directly to the pass over the top, essentially. So it is right there. Now, in real time, I didn't notice it because I just, I don't know, I just didn't notice it. And I was just in awe of Iñaki's breakaway speed. I saw it coming a mile away. I said, as soon as that ball went over the top, I said, oh, God. And Alonzo didn't turn his hips well enough. And I was like, oh, gosh. And Iñaki had a really clean finish. But VAR was in the right there, right? It was a handball. They made the decision, they went to it. And my favorite part too is when Munyan, like he's he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, it wasn't a handball and it's like, we just looked on the monitor. It it definitely is a handball. Like there's, that's it. That's the handball as they're being called now. And vice versa, Rafinha's goal was first called off by offsides and VAR overturned it. And it was the right call. Rafinha was not offsized, and Rafinha had a nice finish with his right foot and he was able to score and ultimately get the game-winning goal of the match. Now, as I've already said before, I believe that the refs, not the refs, the coaches should have a VAR challenge, won a game, were they able to throw a flag, have a VAR challenge. I think that is where this needs to, to go in the future where the coaches have a little bit of a decision in when VARs is used, so they don't have this doubt. And this other idea that VAR is interrupting the match and so forth is such an old way of thinking, I hate it. Because with technology, with new cameras, we're able to see all these plays, and I want the correct decision. I want the correct decision. As much as it pains me, if it goes against me or whatnot, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I think the worst thing before VAR was these ideas of plays happening and it's blatant. In real time and it doesn't get overturned or looked at, and I think that is what we're getting away from. I'm in favor of VAR. I really hope it's always going to be fine tuned. It's never going to be perfect depending if you get screwed, you hate it and if you if it favors you you're a, you're, you're for it right? i have always been in favor of instant replay, whether it be in American sports and I'm really glad it's finally made it to football. but obviously I still think there needs to be major tweaks in this, especially having the coaches to do a challenge I think would really put aside some of this debate. It will never go away, but may you put aside. So those are the three things I I wanted to talk about with the Barca victory last night. I mean, it was well fought. You knew it was going to be a tough match. I mean, we are in a transition. You have to just keep reminding yourself of that. We are discovering Balde. Balde at left back is a gem of a player. Last night, he had another great performance. Some of the attack that he does and the confidence he has on the ball is ridiculous for how old he is and what he's doing. And the other thing too is, you know, with Koundé, you know, I have been a big fan of Koundé and you have to remember, this guy has not, not played a match since November. He's been plugged in for France, plugged in for Barca, playing at right back for Barca, that's not his preferred position. And as I told you before, last week when I saw him in person, he is so impressive the way he covers the field. And lately, some of the passing, he's had some mistakes. And those are just, I feel, they're more fatigue-related rather than his talent as a footballer. Now, he's going to have another tough job this weekend in the Classico We'll see how Chavi lines up. I'm sure he's going to go back to Araujo right back and Kunde up the middle, which I think suits Kunde even better. But again, it's going to be a delicious matchup, as always, with Vinicius. And, you know, we'll see if Benzema is ready to play. And that's this weekend, the Classico. Last thing before we sign off, we have some questions from our Patreon community. Again, you know we have this Patreon community. It's awesome want to welcome Wiley. He's our newest patron who signed up yesterday, joined our WhatsApp group, immediately had some great feedback in our WhatsApp group. So the first question comes from Abday. His question, and this is getting a lot of traction as of late. I saw Kevin Williams tweet about this as well. Is Ansu checked out, and is he just waiting for a summer transfer window, or is it just my imagination? It's very interesting because I keep forgetting how old he is, and I think we really have to keep that in perspective. You know, Ansu's still really young. He just feels like he's been part of our Barca memory for so long because he busted out so early. But I think we still have to be patient. I do not want to sell him. I do not want to loan him. I think he needs to still be in the Barca team. But I think he needs to find something else in his game To get those openings and those goals that came so easy to him a couple years ago. Now, it is Chavi's job to help unlock him. Right? Ansu is a major talent. He's not just some fringe player. So, what is Chavi going to do to put Ansu in the best position to convert goals? That's the question we should be asking. It should not just solely on Ansu we take it for granted because in the 433 Ansu was scoring goals before so why not why isn't he doing it now right and there's a lot of things that could be up to play obviously pairing up with Lewandowski maybe the the partnership isn't as good maybe they don't have that chemistry maybe Ansu is pushing too much i mean there's a lot of factors but what i want to see is either Ansu getting more playing time and when he does get those playing time i want to see different variations of what he can provide in the attack. Ansu's at a stage right now where he has to find another gear or another trick in his bag to get openings. Lately, what I've seen with Ansu too, is that he's been taking too many touches before he shoots and that ultimately gets blocked or something, or he can't get the ball off. And I think sometimes When you're in a slump, you just have to one-time those shots when you can and just get that shot off. I really hope that Ansu, is. this is just like a mental fog that's happening right now because I'm a huge Ansu fan. We've seen him do it before, you know, and it wasn't just a short sample. It's not just, you know, from five matches, let's say. We've seen it over more than 30 matches. The next question we have from Carlos. What do you make of these rumors about selling Rafinha? In the absence of Dembele and Pedri, he's rescued us. Was this terrible team building to invest money into a right wing when you already had one in Dembele? So this comes off some of the rumors, mainly because Barca has to lower their wage for next season. Now, I think if I were to pick a player right now At right wing for the future now, it would probably be Rafinha. I think Rafinha has shown that he can score goals, for me the most important, when you're an attacking player. He also assists. But I think the most important thing is that he's durable. And we've seen that this season so far, that he's been able to be on the roster and available for more games than Dembele. And we already know Dembele's track record before. Last season, he had an outlier season where he was the most healthy. And unfortunately, he is still injured right now. And I think Rafinha, for the future and for the money and for what he provides, also not only on defense and backtracking, I think he's a better value and a better prospect for us at right wing. I think ultimately Rafinha is going to grow in confidence understand La Liga even better I think it suits him and I think we are just scratching the surface with Rafinha hopefully so if I had to choose one I would definitely choose Rafinha I hope that Barcelona are smart and do something with Dembele I think we're going to get the most money out of Dembele because we have shown the potential and I think that's where we would go I don't know. It's it's a really tricky situation. I don't know who is going to just willy-nilly take Dembele off our hands. The last question we have from is Troy. Troy, who at this point of the year would we look to sell? We know Barca needs to reduce wages by around $200 million for next season, as I just talked about before. The first player on the chopping block for me is Ferran Torres. I'm sorry. I cannot with this player. I just – I think he's had too many opportunities and he still has not shown me the goods consistently. It's all about consistency. Like how many games in a 10 game span do you score goals? And for Ron Torres again last night was a no show for me. Like you got to do something, you got to do something. This is your opportunity as a Barca player. You know how many players would kill for this opportunity for this amount of playing time that you're getting? And to come up with a goose egg again, it's just, again, I don't, you know, we said in our WhatsApp group too, is that, you know, you know, it's something when Pep lets go, lets go of a player, there's something to that as easily as he did with Frontoras. Torres. I just, I hate to use the word soft, but that's the first word that comes to me with Frontoras. Torres. And when I saw him in person last weekend or two weekends ago, he is a physical specimen and i just don't understand why he's not hungrier for goal and i'm not saying that he's not trying to score or he doesn't want to score but there's there's just he doesn't have that nasty that i think we we need in, in in a forward like him and yes he has great dribbling skills he does all the back pressing and the defense sure that's fine but at what point do you throw that away because you need goals so for me he's on the he's on the chopping block for sure And then the other person would be Jordi Alba. I mean if Jordi Alba, man, especially with Balde, I think we can get a young left back to substitute with Balde and then we can sell Jordi Alba. I think Jordi Alba should be on the chopping block as well. And then obviously with the rumors with Busquets, we don't know if Busquets is going to sign one more year. I really hope not. Uh, Even though he had an assist again last night, great. I'm, I'm happy for him with the assist. But again, we need to upgrade that position and we need to give that to a young player. We need to move on from the last remnants of the veteranship of this team. And once Busquets is off this team, I think the team will even thrive further. I just think the energy that we need at the midfield now, especially in today's game, Busquets cannot match it at the highest level, Okay, at the highest level. He has moments of brilliance, of course. He's going to have moments of brilliance. He's a world-class player, but he's on the downside. He's an old—he's an older player. He has so many miles on him. We cannot demand him to be the minutes leader again, like he's going to be this season, which is effing crazy. It's effing crazy. I just like—I don't get it. I—I I just don't get it. Is it just because he's a veteran and that's what, I mean, I, I, I just can't believe he's going to be the minutes leader again this, this year. That's just crazy talk to me. We talked about it at the beginning of the season. Anyway, this week is Classico week, so everyone is getting geared up. Here in Madrid, obviously, the hype has already started, and obviously getting fueled to this fire is obviously the Charges that were brought up last Friday to Bartomeu and Rossell with the corruption a scandal with the referees here. It's still unraveling, so we don't know how deep it is. Obviously, Laporta came out today and said that we're innocent. Pump the brakes on that a little bit because you're not 100% innocent. Maybe you, Laporta, are innocent, but Barcelona is not innocent. We have the receipts. And as we saw last night in Bilbao, that the fans were throwing the fake money and this is going to happen at every stadium until the details continue to unravel. People are just going to have their doubts about those years that we were paying. And you saw the response over the weekend with real Madrid coming together to send out an official communication. The teams are coming and I honestly don't know what's going to happen with the result of this. I cannot stress that enough how big of news it is here in Spain. It's massive. It's massive. Now, we've already talked about the, the statute of limitations, obviously that they can't really happen to them. But at the same time, they can get creative with some of the penalties, maybe a fine maybe limiting some of their player transactions. I mean, they can definitely come up with some creative punishments for Barcelona. And I'm sure Tevez is wet dreaming about that as well. So we will see. This is gonna to continue to develop. And On Friday, while I was recording with Troy, they, they formally passed those sanctions to Barcelona. So again, we're gonna see what happens. This is just going to continue to unravel. It's just going to continue to unravel because now, you know, with the official investigation, just all these details are going to come out and it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Anyway, that's all I got for you on this late Monday night here from Madrid. We'll have a new episode on Wednesday, maybe more of a and a about the Plasco. And until then, we'll talk to you soon.